All right, Trippy Kids, we got an awesome episode for you today. We were talking about COVID in the NFL and how it's just running rampant through the Tennessee Titans. We got college updates. We're giving out our college picks. I went 5-1 and one last week. Tim went 4-1 and one last week. Not bad. And we got some final thoughts on the NBA Finals. It's a good one. Let's go. And welcome to Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is October 9th. We're now re-recording this intro slash pod because I forgot to hit record. How are we doing today, gentlemen? I mean, doing well after we recorded 10 minutes of nothing. <laughs> doing better now that the record button is going. Yeah, not great. Not great. Um, so, fans, what you missed. I intro. <laughs> I think I'm a terrible person. Um, I realized yesterday, I think one of the funniest injuries, and I can't stop giggling to myself when I see it, is somebody in a neck brace. I know it's terrible. I was at a stoplight yesterday. I peeked behind me. This dude had a full-on soft neck brace on his neck, and I couldn't stop giggling to myself. And I, I legitimately felt bad about it. I was like, damn, this is a bad – like, that's a bad injury. <laughs> but I couldn't stop – it's a funny sight to see. I don't know why, but I just could not stop laughing at the fact this guy was sitting there with a full-on neck brace on his head. Uh, uh, I just want to be clear to the, the listeners that I am laughing at Nate laughing at this. I do not think serious neck injuries are funny. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know the it's most the... serious injury to find funny, Nate. Way to go! It's just the visual, all right. I know it's a terrible thing. I feel, I feel bad that I find it funny, but I find it funny. I don't know, I don't know why, but I find it funny. <laughs> I think it's as I said before. I think it's because <laughs> in uh, sitcoms and stuff, usually people who are faking injuries are wearing neck braces, so they show up to court in their neck brace. Saying, oh, I hurt my neck trying to get, you know, something. So it's a faux pas. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. That that might be my association with it. I just, I can't, it just looks so ridiculous to me. Um, so I just keep kept giggling to myself yesterday driving every time I looked behind myself. Um, and I felt bad every time. I just want you to know that. I legitimately felt bad, but I couldn't stop. Um, talking about bad things going on. Let's talk NFL COVID and eventually college COVID. Because there's a bad situation developing in the NFL. Just before... We hit record and forgot to hit record the first time. I saw a tweet come across from NFL Updates, which is at my sports update. Great Twitter account if you don't follow um, them. I don't know if it's a he or her, but it's a great, great account. Um, they were retweeting a Schefter tweet, which is why I saw it, but they're generally a very good just background information. The NFL is moving Sunday's Titans Bills game to Tuesday night at 6 Eastern. This is contingent on no more positive tests in Tennessee. Thursday night fight football with Bills Chiefs will be moved to Sunday per Adam Schefter. I think this is an utter load of crap by the NFL. I think the Titans should have to forfeit this game. I think the Bills should not be penalized for doing the right thing. The Tennessee Titans, from all the reporting I have seen, have been utterly reckless in the way they have handled their COVID test. Now, in case you're not following this story closely, Tennessee Titans are make up the vast majority, the overwhelming, it's like 90 plus percent of the positive NFL COVID tests. And that is because, according to reports, they don't wear masks in the building, which we'll know definitively because the NFL is opening an investigation into this and there are cameras everywhere in the facility. They'll have access to those videotapes. And they are still holding practices. Now, they're not at the stadium and we don't, or at the facility, and we don't know if they are sanctioned by the organization, but players are getting together and holding practices at local high schools while there is a COVID outbreak on their team, going on on their Goodness. team. It is 
That is irresponsible. Irresponsible feels like a downplay of that. It's utter crap. They should have to forfeit the game, and that should be the end of it. And let's move on and see if they can play in the coming weeks. But there should be no penalty on the Bills' part or any other organization in this league who is doing the right things. Because even if you do the right things, there's a chance that your organization might have COVID rip through it. But if you're not following the policies, if you're not being precautious, and you're not being safe, and you're having these issues, the NFL and other organizations shouldn't have to bend over backwards to fit you in the schedule. That's my opinion on that. I don't know how you guys feel, but that's where I'm at. (laughs) I mean, it is pretty evident, too, that, like, other organizations are taking it seriously because there haven't been positive tests out of different or of out of other organizations. So it does feel like other teams have been taking this very seriously and that the Titans are just being completely irresponsible on this one. Well, two points. One, we do have reports now that the Patriots have at least three people who have tested positive for COVID, but as was pointed out, they have moved to virtual right now and then to tennessee um tim you were there in tennessee with me it was a place that does not believe that COVID exists and i think that is a big issue or a big contributing factor for the way that the tennessee titans are handling uh their COVID. because as a person who was there not too long ago no one was wearing masks everything was open no one was social distancing. So if you if you're somewhere that just doesn't believe in the virus, of course, this is how this is what happens to your team. Yeah, we booked the whitewater rafting trip that we assumed was going to be fine because there was a group of friends that traveled down there together, responsibly, and then we get to the whitewater rafting thing and they load us up onto a bus, two to a seat. Everybody's on the bus, packed up into the bus, no masks, nothing. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't really sign up for that. Um, But here goes nothing. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, that is, that is definitely part of it. There's also a part, uh, a culture. It feels like in the NFL in football in general, like all these guys say they love football. They want a season, but they're not doing the work to actually have a season during a global pandemic because there's simple things that they're just not doing. The mask thing. I mean, in the first week of the NFL, the NFL fined teams and coaches over $2 million because of mask policies not being followed. And you've seen people like John Gruden have like a thong on his face for one game, like utter ridiculousness. You see coaches pulling down their masks all the time and, it's in screaming in the face of officials or going to greet other coaches. They'll pull it down to say something. Or when they're at the facilities, you saw it in hard knocks. Like it was sort of habit to like push it down or whatever. Or that was shields. Those aren't really doing much. Like Yeah, the shields don't work. Yeah, like it's just – it's a problem the NFL has across the board. But – and you bring out the Patriots. Like right now we don't see – and there is an incubation period. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about, the I feel like, the recklessness of having that Patriots-Chiefs game. Uh, because of that incubation period. But you see the Patriots going to virtual, and you don't have reports of them having players organizing practice on their own. And it's and you know even with the best policies in place, yeah. you're, you're still going to – it's not inevitable that you're not going to catch COVID. Chances are you're probably going to have people catch it at some point over the season. And so that's a different story. Like that's a different, different task. But it just feels like the NFL isn't prepared at all to handle the reality of our situation here. Their policies seem to not have any teeth, right? It's not like the NBA bubble where everyone is is there together, and it's it, they seem to be taking the baseball route, where like it, we'll figure it out as it comes. And eventually, baseball did figure it out to the detriment of some teams, obviously. Um, but the NFL just seems to be very cavalier 
with uh, the COVID spread. That's actually a good example of baseball. I don't think I've heard. I know they initially got off to a very rough start, but yeah. after that, I don't remember really hearing. Like teams did have issues, but it wasn't. It didn't seem like it was overtaking the league. I guess is I what think, I'm saying. If I remember correctly, it was like they had to change the culture with the players right. because the players kept going out and doing. So once they once they were able to wrangle the players together and get them all on the same page, then they were um, able to continue on the way that they are now they could just not be reporting and just putting people on ir that yeah. they're testing positive for COVID. that could be happening and i think i saw reports that a team did do that but i feel like if there was a big COVID outbreak in the mlb there's no way the mlb will be able to hide it right right yeah and right. reporters are in the facilities and up their assholes and around the corner on a lot of stuff so it's hard to hide those type of things i feel like in sports yeah yeah, one thing I did want to bring up too is with not being able the NFL not being forward looking when when we talk about like the Tennessee Titans and how they should have to forfeit one of these two games, whether that be the last one that they did they skipped um, because they weren't able to play against the Steelers or this cu- upcoming one against the Bills, um, the NFL just didn't think about this at all, and they said if there isn't a game played, they don't get game checks for that game, so you would be penalizing both teams and the bills haven't really done anything wrong and the tennessee titans are just acting reckless how did that get into the agreement because <laughs> the nfl's players union is the worst negotiating body of all time that is we could do a whole podcast well, you know, it's, all, on it's, that. All, it's all money they don't get their tv money if they don't play yeah i mean how how are they playing this dangerous game with still only partially guaranteed contracts now oh it's yeah the, <laughs> i have crazy. had a long long beef with the NFL players union um, and the head of that, like even I was a sports management major. So like we, I've studied different like players representatives and they are by far the worst in out of all the sports league and like consistently. So it makes zero sense. Um, we could do a whole podcast on that. To be honest, it might not be a bad idea just to do one and break down that players union. Cause it is, it is poorly run from an out, like not the players themselves that represent their teams, but the guys that aren't in the league that help run that organization. It's terrible. Um, but the NFL, like the best analogy I have is the NFL is essentially just Coke kingpins. Like the product sells itself. They don't have to do much like that. And that's the problem. Like I sat here on July 2nd after having a night where I couldn't really sleep because my mind was racing at a thousand miles per hour. And I came up with an idea for a, a bubble that they could do not in one central location, bubble hubs based on divisions and then seating after that. And like, I'm not in the NFL. It is not my job to think of this stuff, but I was able to think of something now details and logistics would have to be hammered out and there would be a lot of work that goes into it. But the NFL had time. It's not like they didn't have time here. You could make the argument in like January or February. Maybe they were thinking, okay, this isn't going to be as bad. Like we'll get through this. And by the time NFL season rolls around, we'll be good. But by May, they should have known they had a problem on their hand. They should have been setting up committees and thinking about this. And it doesn't seem like they have a really consistent plan and they're just kind of coming up with it day to day as to what's going to happen. Are we going to push the season back? How are we going to schedule games? Like, it's just, it's insane at this point. They had so much time and they saw other leagues go first. <laughs> they, they had the luxury of watching everybody else play and they didn't, I mean, just one simple thing like reshuffling the schedule and adding in one or two bye weeks, just like we, we talked about last week. It's not, it doesn't seem like it was that hard to at least put in some small measures for something like this to happen, and they didn't do a single thing. Yeah, it's utter ridiculous. And we're seeing that problem now 
kind of switch over to, to college, college is now starting to have outbreaks. And we all for sure saw that coming with the culture of college football. The news, Dante, you sent me this because I hadn't seen it until then. I had to look it up just to make sure because it was, I think you sent it through a Reddit post and it's true. Les Miles breaking today has tested positive. And there is a picture of Les Miles last week at the 50-yard line, 40-yard line, whatever, meeting Van Gundy, both of them pulling their masks down and hugging, talking each other, like close contact. It's there's a problem. Like I don't, I don't think the NFL is probably going to cancel their season. We might see a pause. I think you have to send in the National Guard for them to stop. But college, where these players aren't getting paid, they're they're playing with fire right now, and I, I worry about if we're going to lose this season. Yeah, two two things for Les Miles. He got lucky because they're on the bye week. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he got really lucky. Their AD said that they um, expect for him to coach against West Virginia on October seventeenth. So. Um, I guess that's good news. The the he's head coaching right now remotely. Les Miles, I, I guess this is where I get concerned with college football and I guess any sports is like if Les Miles has it, your whole team. I know you you cancel practice, but that means that your whole team and staff has have been exposed to it. And if you think that in one week you're going to be okay and not be contagious. That's where I'm like, now you're going, you could potentially affect the West Virginia players. And then in fact that, and then like you said, now we've lost uh, football for the season just because we aren't willing to take it seriously. Another thing is like the big 12 just isn't doing hot with COVID at all. (laughs) Baylor is on its second round of canceling stuff. Yeah, it's because of COVID. But that's another like the Tennessee thing. I think in Texas, they're just taking COVID differently than the rest of the country. is. (laughs) Very true. Um, This actually applies sort of to the to the NFL. What they need to start doing is when there are outbreaks on teams, they need to be bubbling that team because if they can if if, for example, less miles test positive. They need to put everybody in a bubble until that, what, it's like a five-day, I think, incubation period before it starts showing up on tests. So where they're not having any contact, and then they get that round of testing in, and if everybody's clear, then you can go back to – whoever's clear can go back to regular activities with the policies in place, and whoever's not, now you've isolated them and moved them away, and you bubbled them so they're not exposing or exposed to other risk factors where that incubation period isn't getting reset. Because, like, if you don't bubble them and say – say I'm a Kansas player and I've been exposed to – to Les Miles, but I don't have it from him yet. But I'm not bubbled, and I'm walking around campus, and two days from now I get exposed. That's not going to show up in test for another five days potentially. And by then we're we're on to the next week type of thing. So it's a it's a problem. It's a big problem. The other thing that college football is doing, or that affects college football, is uh, the great state of Florida has moved into phase three. <laughs> so phase three means uh, that. All attendance restrictions have been lifted. So this not only affects football, but like concert venues and stuff too, which is not what we were going to talk about in this podcast, but it's something to think about. So during my research, I learned that the NFL and that the uh, professional sports league never had restrictions in Florida. And it would the Dolphins and the Jaguars um, just decided to only have 13,000 fans. They decided that themselves, and, they, and they're going to continue, even after these restrictions are um, lifted, going to continue to not have full-capacity stadiums. 
Florida and Florida State may have full capacity stadiums. So the SEC, so at first I thought that the SEC had mandated that they didn't, but the SEC, according to something that I just read, said that uh, it's up to each individual team to decide the capacity of their stadiums. So the rumblings are is that Florida and Florida State will more than likely not have full fans except for marquee games. Like, well, do you all want football? Like, that's a serious you, question. Like, I know you all, everybody keeps saying it. But at this point, do you honestly want football? Because you're acting like you don't. Florida and all these other places. Like, good on the Dolphins, I guess, and the other teams for saying, like, we're not going to follow through with the entire policy. Like, we're yeah. going to restrict it a little bit. But still, like, that Georgia picture from the U- University of Georgia game the other week. What the hell is going on? <laughs> I am surprised that we have not heard, like, oh, so many people contacted contracted COVID from that Georgia game. That was crazy. Yeah. That was insane. I forgot what school. I saw some school last Saturday, and, like, when whenever they swept across the crowd, the crowd was socially distant. Everybody had on masks. I was like, man, this is what every crowd – but I can't remember what school that was now. Notre Dame looks pretty good with their crowd. Like, I know they didn't play last week, but, like, two weeks ago, like, their crowd, like, seemed pretty socially distanced. Like, you had you had to get your tickets through your roommate. Like, it had to be a roommate grouping, yeah. from what I understand. Maybe that's not the case. And I think, Tim, you have a family well, member it, at Notre Dame. It, it, it is. And they keep announcing, like, over the loudspeaker, like, every so often. Like, remember, guys, you got to spread out. Like, they have to be on them, on the students. Because it's only natural to kind of come together, especially if you're living together. Right. I mean, I, I guess I don't really have that big of a problem if, like, all students are allowed into games and whatnot so that you have like 15 to 20 percent capacity because i mean you got to also remember we're dealing with like hundred thousand yeah these stadiums massive they're not nfl stadiums and still not that many students are really all that interested in football either so if they allowed just student crowd like i think that would be kind of cool especially if they made sure that they were socially distant like they were in notre dame where they're spreading everybody out um, but to try and pack in a stadium with everybody there, it's just absolutely insane. Yeah, and the problem, too, isn't so much when you're sitting. It's the point of entries in the bathrooms. Like, unless right. everybody's wearing a mask, exactly. that's how it can spread. Now, if everybody's wearing a mask, that is extremely effective from what I understand. Like, that's a very Especially effective. It's still – there's still a the risk. Air. But it's yeah. a very big – if everybody's wearing a mask, that's a big thing when you're in that. So, like, those are the concern areas. Not so much the stadium. It's the bathrooms and point of entries and the concession mm-hmm. lines, I guess. Yeah, um, Adam Silver uh, – I read that Adam Silver thinks that they're going to have limited capacity stadiums when basketball comes back. I just don't know how that – like, it's one thing to be outside. An indoor stadium, though? Yeah. I just – I can't see that. Seems crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Also, my Bucks look so fresh in those white uniforms. They just ran onto the field. We're recording this before Thursday Night Football. Looking so good. Um, <laughs> also, I, you know, I just want to shout out the Big Ten Conference because if you, if you, if we would have started when everyone else started, I'm sure we would be postponing and pushing back games by by now. Yes, the way some of the positive tests flew through the student body at these schools, um, it's a good thing that that they postponed until now got their hands hands uh or got a little bit of a learning curve here and they'll figure things out here on forward that's the i mean we said this on this the big 10 is either gonna look like the smartest guys in the room or the biggest idiots if somehow the college football which it was more the first one we we all kind of said because there was really no i didn't i don't think any of us gave it a 
a good shot that college football is going to get through this unscathed. But because right. the Big Ten postponed, because they allowed kind of COVID to rip through their universities, but learn, learn what are effective policies, see what's working in other conferences and not working in their conference, and getting that time, even though it was still a clusterfuck communication-wise, and yeah, honestly, terrible. we're probably giving them more credit than they deserve because that wasn't mm-hmm. intentionally. So unintentionally, though, they're looking smart because they're going to be in a really good position when they kick this off to know what works to see what other leagues do right, what they do bad, to get it under control on their own campuses, to make sure the culture is set at these different universities to have success this season. So, in honesty, the Big Ten, for all the crap they got, they might come out looking like the biggest winners here. Yeah, I agree. They could very well look like the biggest winners, although the way things have been going, too, they won't necessarily look like the biggest winners because the SEC has been mostly playing and so has the Big 12 with the exception of random um, Baylor ga- games being postponed and canceled so who really knows how this is going to end up playing out <laughs> it's up to the Big 10 to frame that correctly as well too and we mm-hmm. saw how poorly their communication Oof. was uh, around, <laughs> around announcing I guess the other thing too is like I don't think the Big 10 could have started at the beginning or when everyone else started because remember Nebraska and Rutgers and I believe Maryland had so many cases in the beginning of the or in the uh, summer leading into the the fall I don't I, realistically I don't think they could have started yeah no. uh, when they wanted to yeah but it's no. a good segue because we got some big games it's getting it's getting good in college football this podcast just so we're aware in picks last week in our cards, Tim, four and one. Myself, five and one. I mean, this is why you show up to listen to Trophy Kids podcast. The cons- the expert level football brains when it comes to picking football games here. Now, watch. I'm probably gonna go like oh for fucking. I got an eight. I think an eight team card uh, this oh, week. Boy. I love the board. Whoa. Now, three of three bets oh, are in boy. one game. So three of those are in one game. I'm betting that game three separate ways. But uh, I- I'm I'm a little scared because I do love the board this week. I, there's a lot of big games. I don't know, uh, you know, I, a I, bunch I, about betting, but man, I would be scared. I don't like the board that much. Yeah. So, <laughs> good luck, Nate. Well, good luck. let's get into it. First game we're going to start with because it's, I think, it's a 12 o'clock kickoff. Yeah. Um, Florida, Texas A&M. This is not going to be a weather game affected by the hurricane. It's at Texas A&M. Line is at seven. Florida is favored. Over to under is at 58 currently is what I'm showing. I, first off, Texas A&M called that right against Alabama. Jimbo Fisher is borderline. He's starting to look fraudulent down at Texas A&M. There isn't really a reason he shouldn't be succeeding at a higher level down there. Um, Florida, Texas A&M is in trouble for this game. Florida is coming into this with the seventh best pass offense. They're averaging 357 yards to the air. Alex Trask has 10 touchdowns in two games. And that Texas A&M secondary looks atrociously bad now they are young in their defense but it's it's a bad situation down there texas a&m does benefit though florida's secondary also not very good <laughs> how, yeah, we feel about how i feel about this game this one this one's close to me nate i i really don't even know which way i would pick this because i do kind of see this being a seven point game i do think i i think florida's a little bit overrated but i do think texas a&m is not that good and that's crazy because I was just about to say I think Florida is is probably a playoff team. 
in my well, we remember the last team that you called was one of the best teams in college football just last terrible, week, right? Terrible, <laughs> terrible. I can't believe they let me down like that. They got smacked. But Smoked. Florida at least hasn't. Florida at least has the quarterback to that and a front line to back Correct. that up. Yeah, I mean the offense is fantastic. Yeah. They haven't been able to run the ball great, but like the passing offense, there's no stopping them in sight. Dan Mullins, I think, is like undefeated against. Jimbo Fisher down in Texas A&M. Um, I want to say, don't quote me on that. I'm gonna. I do have a pick between these two teams. I'll give it out on my card. But for this part, this is also on my card. I love the over at 57 because this is a game that is not affected by weather. The secondaries are bad, and how good off Florida is offensively. Like I love. I think that number should be way higher. 57 feels low to me. There. I love the over. I love the over two. I am writing that down on my card, and I like that one. All right, next game, Oklahoma-Texas. Red River showdown, Red River shootout, whatever the hell they're calling it nowadays. This is going to be a weird one because the Texas Fair isn't going on. Line is set at 2.5. Oklahoma's favored. Over under, 72.5. That's to be as expected, a high number. How are we feeling about this game? I have lots this of is, thoughts. <laughs> this is one of those games that I really don't care what the over is. I'm taking it. That is part of my card. I, I really don't care. Um, Sam Ellinger can still sling it. I don't think Spencer Rattler is as bad as it seems. I think he's still an average quarterback. He's just not the Oklahoma quarterback that's going to come in and um, bail out the defense completely. How many times has Sam won this game? Uh, once? once, I believe. Yeah, because Tom Herman's only won it once, from what I remember. Also, Oklahoma, switching side, Oklahoma is obviously underachieving this year. Yeah. This is going to be such yes. a weird game. It's like I think it's like the first time since 2016 they've lost, or they've come into this game not ranked, or they've lost two back-to-back. I mean, they've lost two back-to-back, which is crazy. This is like, this is the epitome of all gas, no breaks. Um, that's like how I feel about the Cowboys in the NFL, um, which will be part of the NFL pod on Saturday. But the defense is bad. My my only fear for that over because I'm with you, Tim. Like I would never, I would never take an under in this game. But I do worry because Texas is so undisciplined. It feels like um, like they're constantly getting penalties. You you pointed oh me out. God. I turned on that game. Yes. That was a sloppy football game last week. <laughs> I know you have thoughts on that. Game I ever watched. <laughs> like that was brutal. That makes me nervous, like real nervous. Um, I'll tell you what doesn't make me that nervous is that Oklahoma's favored in this game, which just feels weird to me because I don't – I feel like the only reason that they might be favored in this game is almost because you don't see Oklahoma starting the season with three losses. They'd be one and three if they lost this game. That is true. That that probably plays a role. I think they're just – they're a little bit more disciplined – it's within a field goal, which is why I like Oklahoma here. The offense still – I don't think – yeah, Rattler's as good as obviously they've – I mean, they've had just phenomenal college quarterbacks. I mean, talk about a run of just fantastic uh, college quarterbacks. Um, I like Oklahoma here. I think Texas – I think Tom Herman is a borderline – He's borderline fraud right now. I have a lot of thoughts on Tom Herman. Um, but I like Oklahoma here. Before I go into my Tom Herman border, rip. Border, borderline fraud or borderline fr- fired? I think both. both. So, yeah, Tom <laughs> Herman. He's already a fraud. Yeah, he is absolutely a fraud. So I have always been – I texted you guys this. I was 
little inebriated. Uh, <laughs> I am not a Tom Herman. You're a little aggressive. <laughs> oh, I was very aggressive because I – it still pisses me off the treatment Charlie Strong got and the treatment Tom Herman gets. When Tom Herman in Texas played Missouri and Drew Locke did that weird like little – I don't even know what he did, but then Tom Herman was make, mocking him on the sideline as a coach to like what, a 19-year-old kid? Like that told me everything you need to know about Tom Herman. But let me set the stage here for everybody who maybe isn't familiar with the Texas situation. When Mac Brown left, Charlie Strong took over the program. He came from Louisville. Nine days after he was hired – Actually, let me back this up. At Louisville, to give you a little bit of his pedigree there. In 2013, they went to the Sugar Bowl, and they beat Florida. It was the biggest upset based on the point spread in the history of the BCS. He went 11-2 that season, beat Florida. He went 12-1 the following year. And then he was hired by Texas. And nine days after he was hired by Texas... Red McCombs, who, if you're not familiar, is their big donor. He's donated about $100 million to Texas. There's a statue of him in his facil- in the facility, football st- facility, said about hiring Charlie Strong. I think the whole thing is a bit sideways. I don't have any doubt that Charlie is a fine coach. I think he'd make a great position coach or maybe a coordinator. Are you fucking kidding me? Get the fuck out of here. A position coach. The guy just took Louisville. Some could argue built them into the program you see today with a 11-12 record and a 12-1 record and came over to Texas. Texas was bleeding at that point. Mac Brown, legendary coach, obviously, but he was bleeding that program dry at that point. Charlie Strong took over. He changed the culture. He dismissed a bunch of players. He suspended a bunch of players who weren't buying into the system. He was not a great winning coach. That is for sure. But he was hired a month before the national signing deadline. So you can't really call that first class his. The next two years, I want to say he had the number one class both years in the Big 12. He was 15 and 20 as a coach. He didn't even get to finish out his third season. But the culture was changing. He was getting carried off the field by his players. He did win a game in Oklahoma. The nail in his coffin was he did do the unspeakable thing. You can't lose to Kansas. He lost to Kansas. That was bad. Don't get me wrong there. But don't lose to Kansas. You can't lose to Kansas. But the fact that from the get-go, the biggest donor was already on him. He was he did not the cupboard was bare when he got there. He restocked the cupboard, he changed the culture, and he set the table and got fired. And Tom Herman came in. And you haven't heard nearly as much criticism. And you can make an argument that what Charlie Strong did at Louisville was more impressive than what Tom Herman did at Houston. And I always look back at articles. There were articles where people legitimately thought Tom Hearn was the next Nick Saban. There was an article I read where they said he was going to cut that record that Charlie Strong posted in half. He's quartered by a quarter. He's 25 and 15 in three years. But give me a break. He's 7 and 6 in his first year, 9 and 3 in his next, and 7 and 5 in the next. And he's had all the talent. Charlie Strong changed the culture, got the culture going in the right way, got in good recruiting classes, and Tom Herman has not excelled but you don't hear the same criticisms from i don't know if red is still alive to be honest but you don't hear the same kind of criticism that charlie strong was getting it is absolute crap tom tom herman is a fraud (laughs) i mean yeah and he's not i mean tom herman hasn't well he's losing recruits yep and has been for the last i guess couple of seasons also he's if if i'm going to argue here like 
if you Tom Herman and uh, Charlie Strong, Strong, if you strip away their their names and put their resumes up at Texas, it looks strikingly similar. Like, I, so to your point, you didn't give Charlie Strong enough time. Um, I'll always say this about Rich Rod in Michigan. Like, they just wanted him out of there, right? And so um, it, it feels the same way. It felt the same way with uh, Charlie Strong. Yep. If you don't, if you if you don't have support from your donors, your assistant pool, your assistant coach pool money goes down. Your well, I guess you could say recruiting budget goes down as well. Um, however, those funds may be allocated legally or illegally in college football. <laughs> <laughs> All above board, Tim. All above board. Especially at Texas, a program like Texas, definitely above board. Yes, a hundred percent above board. We're all good. Nobody, nobody need nothing to see here. Um, but I, I do agree. He, Charlie Strong, he got way too much criticism right away. Um, but ultimately, if you can't, if if you don't have the back of your donors and the institution, you're not going to succeed. It doesn't matter how you cut it. I mean, that yeah. he was set up for failure from the beginning. Now that that almost speaks more to Tom Herman's failure at Texas, which has been a failure because he's gotten whatever he wants to at Texas because he is he was seen as this next huge head coach. Yeah. And- also, Texas being this bad, like I remember being a kid and Texas, you know, being that team texas has not been good since i you know was i don't know like 17 or something like just this many years of being mediocre texas and usc have been all downhill since that game yeah (laughs) yeah like it's it's utterly ridiculous um and i apologize i gave the wrong record there he went seven and six his first year ten and four with the bowl game i believe yeah overall he was seven and two in the conference sorry and then eight and five last year um, he lost five games. They were tied for third. And like he's had, he came in where the cupboard was starting to get full. Like he did at, he did get Sam Ellinger. So like that team that beat Georgia, which by the way, in I I post this every time Texas lose. Oh hey Texas, Longhorn Nation, we're back. I love Sam Ellinger going. We're back. Um, you beat a team that was so disappointed they get into the playoff that year. Like, I don't even consider that. Like, yeah. it's important They're to point like out Charlie. Yeah, Charlie Strong winning in the Sugar Bowl with Louisville because at that time there wasn't the playoff yet. Like, that was a it's the biggest upset based on a point spread in the history of the BCS, which has been around since 1998. Um, like, it's just the criticism doesn't meet the same level. And Tom Herman had way more going for him when he stepped into the program than Charlie Strong did, which is now Charlie Strong did go to South Florida and yeah, it didn't go there. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) so but he's not above criticism. (laughs) He's now in the coaching rehab under the graces of Nick Saban. So (laughs) he did join the Alabama program. He's on that coaching staff there. I like Charlie Strong. I just I didn't think he got good enough. Like, you could see the wheels were starting to change for Texas. And I think if he had been there, the players loved him. They carried him off the field, like, on a couple occasions. Like, they loved him. Um, I just feel like the criticism wasn't the same. And that that quote, just, it still grinds me. It's like the Lamar Jackson should play wide receiver type of thing. Like, it's just, it's Uh. utter crap. Like, Give me a break. Charlie Strong should be the position coach. What, you want him to teach cornerbacks? Are you kidding me? Like, get the fuck out of here. Um, Sorry for the language, people. Uh, This is an explicit podcast. All right, we're moving on because I'm going to continue to just get more enraged about it. Um, I'm not a Tom Herman guy. I don't know if you noticed. (laughs) You know, monitor. 
Yeah, dude, that when he mocked Drew Drew Locke, I wanted to throw my phone through the screen. Um, Tennessee, Georgia, yep. minus twelve, over under forty three. This is going to be a weather game. The hurricane is going to have an impact here. How are we feeling about this game? I don't know. I I got a coin flip on this one. Um, not from the winter, but from Georgia being able to cover 12 and a half. And then also that over under being set at 43. I have no idea what way to go in this game because I think it'll be low scoring, but I also think it'll be a 40, 45 point game. And then I also do see Georgia winning by, I don't know, maybe two touchdowns if they're lucky. So could Tennessee cover? It's only two point. Um, it, it, there's only two points there for me to for wiggle room, I don't, I don't like either of those. Um, so, I don't know. This is a game that it makes me sad that the bars are closed or that I can't hang out with my friends or you know what have this. I just want to sit back and watch whatever happens in this game. Like, I, there's no way I can be disappointed. Even, even if Georgia runs the score up on Tennessee, I cannot be disappointed in what happens in this game. Oh, I'd love to see that too because yeah. I mean Tennessee fans are insane so watching tennessee just absolutely shit the bed when they get their first real opportunity to prove that they are worth something exactly. would be hilarious as well yeah i uh i'm with you on this one i from the initial analysis like this game one it's going to be impacted by the weather from the hurricane coming so it's going to be raining that scares me the university of georgia's defense is unreal though once again like they're averaging eight points allowing eight points a game 58 rushing yards 109 passing yards that's a problem for Tennessee because Tennessee's offense doesn't get going unless they can run the ball. And so that makes me nervous. But I'm with you, Tim, because I think it's probably going to – I feel like Georgia's going to beat them by 14. Like, I think – I feel like that's what that's going to be. So I like Georgia here. But that over-under number, like, I'm with you as well. Like, I feel like that should be over because that feels so low. But because the weather's going to be crappy, because – the defense is so good on Georgia's part, and the Tennessee defense isn't no joke, but they they rely both teams a lot on get having the run game influence the pass game, I feel like. But I feel like Georgia kind of got their swagger back last week. They kind of started getting the gears going. The train started starting to leave the station on offense a little bit more. Um, so I like Georgia at the 12.5 number there. I don't hate that. This is this is much watched TV, and why I don't feel like I need to um, put a bet on this one either is because I can get excited to watch this one without having any money on this one. I'm yeah, with you. This is also how's this game at two thirty and not at six? Three thirty. It's probably the well, CBS. I, oh yes, but yes. I'm sorry. Central time. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the CBS game, so they get they get one game at three thirty from the SEC, so they get to pick their game. That yeah. they want more. This is like the they quintessential game on CBS. Yeah, SEC on CBS game at 3.30. They always put like a good game. And that's because you got the really good game. The next game we're going to talk about before we give out our cards, Miami-Clemson. But that would be wise because they'd, they'd rather have that game on CBS. Yeah, CBS wants that for their SEC game. When you have the Saturday night game on ESPN going to be Miami-Clemson. Yeah, I guess that's true. Which... This I cannot wait for this game. I have this game. It's my lock of the week. Miami versus Clemson. Line is 14, over under 63. Would you all like to go first on how you feel like this game is going to play out before I, I jump in here? <laughs> so, of course, I'm going to go with my wild jump out the window so that Tim can squash me. I think <laughs> that Clemson is going to win this game easily. Like, I don't, I don't see 
Like Miami's defense isn't it's it's not it's not stellar is what I'll say. And their offense, while a very great quarterback, that offensive line we've seen fold several times. So we'll see. But I think Clemson is gonna win this game handily. Yeah, I don't hate that. I this take I do not hate. I just don't know how confident I feel that it'll actually happen. Because you know Clemson's always good for one of those random, like, trip-over-your-own-feet games. Yeah, North Carolina was that last year. So, who really knows? But, I mean, I'm going to stay away from this game from a gambling perspective um, just because I am excited to watch this game as well, just like the last game we covered. Um, So, I'm going to stay away from this game from a gambling perspective. If I had to lean, I would definitely lean Clemson minus 14, but I don't know. I think Clemson needs to kick the shit out of them, by the way. I knew Nate was going there, so I didn't need to go there as confidently as he would. Yeah, King versus Lawrence, though, like that's that's the showdown. I, I have to see this. I agree. Oh, I'm excited. Like I love. I want to be a Miami guy so bad. And this is this is a pick that I'm gonna. The Giant Report's not out this week. I got a little behind on writing everything and doing everything this week. It'll come out tomorrow. But this is one of my picks on the Giant Report. Um. I think Clemson is going to kick the living shit out of Miami because I agree with you, Tim. Like they, they are good for one game a year where they kind of trip on themselves, but their schedule isn't very tough this year. This is like the one game that they're really going to need to show if there's any question as to whether or not they deserve to be in the playoffs or they want the higher seed. Like this dominating Miami is going to have to be on film for them to get that potentially one seed if it comes down between them and Alabama and who gets the one seed for the playoff. Miami, I like Miami. I want to be – I'm, I'm a big Miami guy. Like, I want them to be back, but they're just not there because while we're, we're all hitting the right chords here, like Miami's defense is good, but I don't think they're good enough to shut down this Clemson offense. And the offense for Miami, King is fantastic, and he makes a lot of plays, but I said this at the beginning of the year, and I still hold this to be true. That Miami offensive line scares the living shit out of me. Because I do not think they are very good. You saw it in the UBA UAB game. Like UAB was able to get pressure. Now they had to bring the blitz and other things to get there, but they were still getting there sometimes with the four man front, and they're not nearly as good as Clemson. And then Miami's beat up on just bad football teams recently that haven't really been able to bring pressure. Like in that Louisville game, they didn't bring any pressure. Clemson is going to be able to dominate the game defensively in any way they want because they're going to be able to get pressure with just their defensive front, defensive line front, or if they decide to blitz, all hell is going to break loose. So can King make plays? I don't know. I didn't love what I saw in the UAB game, which is the only game I've really seen a team get some pressure on that offense. Mm -hmm. And these athletes on Clemson are way better. So I love Clemson 14 Hypothetically, if Clemson loses this game but wins all their remaining games, which they have Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, that's pretty much it left. Do they still get into the playoffs? It'd have to depend on the Big Ten schedule and how everything shook out in the Big Ten. I mean, I do still think that they would probably still make the playoffs if they beat Notre Dame. But Notre Dame's got to have a mm-hmm. schedule where they're also fighting for a playoff spot as right. well. So they basically that would be Clemson's playoff game against Notre Dame. Yeah, I guess yeah, with Notre yeah. Dame left on the schedule, you still have something to look forward to. It does feel like though if Miami 
can well also Miami I guess could ruin the ACC's chances of getting someone in. Period. Well, with the, Notre Dame is now considered ACC this year, so I think unless both of them lose, because the Big Twelve right. is such a shit show this year, like we don't have to pretend like Oklahoma's good. We don't have to pretend Texas is good. Like they're probably not going to have a representative. So it's going to come down to probably the winner of the Big Ten will get in unless there's an epic collapse there somehow. The yeah. winner of the SEC is definitely getting in. And so oh, yeah, as long as – Yeah, as long as Clemson yeah. doesn't lose both no, – which I don't think – like they're my locks, so I don't think they're losing to Miami. But say they do. As long as they don't lose to both Notre Dame and Miami, I think they're probably in. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing too. You do get Miami in if they win this game. Like, yeah, Miami could good. get in. Yeah, like that's Miami a good would be in. Like if if they win this game, they're good. I mean, I they got to win the ACC I mean, I think it will championship be game, but yeah, yeah. But if they beat Clemson, like they're good, then they yeah. just oh yeah, they're back. So like, <laughs> like Clemson, like Notre Dame, they jumped right up into that top three um, immediately. I mean, one of the things to look out for in this game too is taking a flyer on Derek King for Heisman if you want to take a long shot bet. Here, if he has a good game, like... What did I say week one? <laughs> what did I say week one? If he, has, if he has a good game here, I mean, you can you can take a flyer on him. Yeah, I mean, he could have a good game and still lose. Yeah. I, dude, I think that. he's the dark yeah, horse. If he has a good game against Clemson, too. I mean, you get a flyer on him before this Clemson game, you can get him a lot cheaper than you will after. I said yeah. week one. He's a dark horse for ending up in New York. Um, <laughs> First time only three weeks behind, Nate. <sighs> okay, whatever. Oh, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think Clemson's going to kill them. But if Miami wins, they are full back. But I just think, like like Texas, like Tennessee, like all these schools, Notre Dame, except for they're a little bit more back, like all these schools that used to be the perennial teams in college football, just they're not in, like, the big hole for me is that offensive line. And what I saw in that UAB game, like that game was closer than it should have been for a team. Now it was week one. It's a weird preseason. You can chalk it up to that. But I just, they haven't played anybody super tough. Like they beat up on Louisville and they beat up on Florida State. Like neither of these teams could really bring pressure. So I just, I think that Clemson is going to kick the living crap out of them. But let's get to our cards. And then NBA Finals and wrap this thing up. Wrap it up. Would you like me to? Oh, just fun fact: Texas A&M has never beaten a higher ranked team. Really? Yes. <laughs> Damn, Texas A&M, what are you never? doing? Yeah, in moderate, in the in the moderate uh, since the AP poll. Johnny Manziel didn't even do it. He beat, he beat a, a higher ranked team. Wasn't Alabama higher ranked? He beat Alabama. So they would be higher ranked. Yeah, there's no way Alabama wasn't higher ranked. I'm sorry. When they've been unranked. Oh, okay, 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 okay. That's yeah, that's a big, that's a big. Uh, <laughs> I was say, wait a minute. Oh, Johnny Manziel was there. Yeah, Johnny uh, Manziel definitely beat them. Yeah, and I think Ryan Tannehill when he was there, he had some games. But yeah, unranked that makes a lot yeah. more sense. That's crazy. Okay. So they've well, never been a team when they've been un- they never be a ranked team when they're unranked. Perfect. Okay. Give me a. Do you want to start, Tim? You want me to go with my card? You can go first. All right, I got Oklahoma minus two and a half. UAG or Georgia twelve. Pitt minus six. BC's good, but I think Pitt's just way more balanced. I think they win by a touchdown. Notre Dame. I have them three separate ways. I am the Notre Dame whisper. I have yet to lose a bet on Notre Dame. I got Notre Dame on the game 
minus 21. <laughs> I got them first half, minus 11 and a half. And I got them first quarter, minus six and a half. I love first quarter bets. That is so exhilarating. That Clemson first quarter last week, you can't tell me that wasn't the most exhilarating thing ever. Um, Clemson, I got them 14. Uh, Mississippi State, I'm done with Kentucky and Kentucky football. I think Mississippi <laughs> State wins this game. They are the underdogs at plus two and a half. Give me Mississippi State. I got Florida at the – oh, I have them at six and a half right now. Sorry, six and a half. Over, I got the over at 57. That is my card. All right. Well, I am – I did give out the Texas-Oklahoma over at 73. That's just a blind over. I don't really care um, what the over is in that one. It could be 80, 85. It doesn't really matter. I'm taking Texas-Oklahoma over. Um, LSU, I think you're going uh, minus 14 here. I think they're going to cover that. I don't think Missouri's any good, so that's why I'm – getting them to cover um auburn minus 13 and a half arkansas is bad we just saw mike leach being mike leach last week it's going to happen he's going to have his crazy good games he's going to have his head scratching games where you're like what the hell were you doing how did you even lose that game they just played extremely bad so i'm going auburn to cover the 13 and a half i'm going syracuse plus two two and a half this is another case of a team being bad duke is horrible duke is not that good um so syracuse is gonna win this game plus two and a half i like that or they're gonna cover two and a half if you're giving me two and a half points why do i need it you're gonna take the money line there um alabama versus old miss i'm going over in this game old miss can't play defense at all but they can put up points still as good as Alabama's defense is, I still expect Ole Miss to put up a few points on them, causing this over at 69.5 to go over. This is another one of those you've seen both teams play. You're taking the over in this game no matter what. Um, and then my last one is going to be, just like Nate said, Mississippi State plus 2.5. Um, as I said earlier, this is that was a Mike Leach game last week. Kentucky I don't think is as good as we thought they were, and they – they have a little bit of an issue at quarterback. Um, yeah. So we're going Mississippi State plus two and a half. And then earlier, A&M, A&M Florida game, I'm taking Nate on the plus 57. I'll probably ride with you on that Syracuse one too. I may, I might tweet mm-hmm. that out, but I, I like that. Um, all right, those are our cards. NBA. NBA Finals is basically over, right? Are we, are we just accepting LeBron James, the greatest player of all time, and – I mean, he's champion. Look, don't be surprised if Miami wins on Friday. I th- I don't think they will, but don't be surprised if they if they win on Friday. Is all I'm going to say. Also, just backing up a little bit, y'all don't think that Arkansas can do another upset? I mean, they won their first game in what like two two and a half years or something. <laughs> no. They won their first SEC game since 2017, and it'll probably yeah. be their last their last SEC game until maybe 2021. I mean. <laughs> They are not a good football team. <laughs> Mississippi State played horrible. Arkansas still had no business winning that game, even they though did they that. won it. It was all Mississippi State errors here, yeah. and left and right. It was in, it was so bad. I have to do a retraction. I said that Texas game was bad, but no, that Arkansas-Mississippi State game was horrible. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. Real bad. Yeah, I think Auburn gets on track there again and kicks yeah. the shit out of them. But, um... I, you know, I I want to see the Lakers win, right? It'll be great. They went on Friday night, call it that they're the kings of the NBA bubble, um, and we don't. I don't have to hear about Tyler Hero 
I don't have to hear about how um, whatchamacallit didn't play basketball and was looking for a job at the ringer. I don't have to hear. I'm so tired of Michigan players. I will always be tired uh, of Michigan Duncan players. Robinson or whatever. Yes, yeah. Duncan Robinson and his smug-ass face. <laughs> I will be glad when I don't have to hear that. Um, and and gr- look, Jimmy Butler is a great player. He is. And I don't want to take anything from him. But he has bounced around the league. There's a reason he has. I think that has more to do with his personality than how he fits in on a team. Um, and he 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 has taken over this run for Miami and dominated it, and rightfully so. But there is a bigger story here that LeBron James has taken this team from out of the finals, out of the playoffs, to your second year, you know, you're here now. We're at the finals. We've brought the Lakers back to glory. How many players have done that? That's a good question. To be be on the slump that long for the Lakers? And yeah. for a team, too, that's used to I winning don't know. championships. Yeah. That is a story within itself, and I think it's being overshadowed by how scrappy Miami is. And again, I think Miami is a great team. Reminds me a lot of the 04 Pistons. I just don't think it's their time yet. I agree with that. They need to add another. They need to add some something inside um, to compete. I think. Um, yeah, I agree with that. My biggest gripe is LA gets every call in the book, but uh, outside of that, I mean, that's just that's just the era of basketball. But. <laughs> I mean, going yeah. back to that game that the Heat won, like watching Jimmy Butler drop 40 without <laughs> really shooting any three-point shots, like he dropped 40 by driving the lane. Like you don't see that in today's NBA game anymore. Yeah, and that, it's funny you should say that because in this last game, they just let him stand out there at the three-point line the whole time because they knew they were just like, all right, he's going to drop, he's going to drop. I will say this. The Lakers' collapse on defense is some of the most embarrassing basketball I've ever – and they do it in the last two-and-a-half minute, three-and-a-half minutes of the game. Just forget how to play defense. If I have Anthony Davis, LeBron James – here's the other thing. KCP cannot be your point leader every fucking game for the first half. This is, <laughs> how does that happen? I, you know, KCP was here in Detroit. I watched him catch that DUI and then go over to the Lakers. And, like, if anything, KCP, in my opinion, is the person who is benefiting the most from this Lakers roster because he is the type of player he is versus his performance on this team. Is greatly overshadowed by he's he's benefiting a lot from being on this team. If he was anywhere else, he probably wouldn't be in the league right now. KCP or Kid Can't Play. Kid Can't Play. <laughs> that was his nickname here in Detroit. So in Detroit, it was, uh, it, it, it's it's very shocking to see where he is now. Um, well, I'm not that shocked to see him do what he does because he could always get hot from three. So him being a three and D player on a team with two stars is not that surprising either. And well, he's driving the ball a lot too. And he's like when the Lakers go into a scoring slump, it's usually KCP who. Uh, gets them started or Danny Green, but don't get me started on Danny Green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm happy, LeBron. I, I don't know if I want to say happy, but it is what it is. I mean, it, it makes sense. He's the best player, best team. I think we all kind of saw the Lakers most likely win this thing out. I'll be yeah. interested if they close it out. Um, I think they will eventually, but if they close it out Friday, I, I think they will. I think they got it. But uh, I hope they, I hope they close it out. Also, to the call thing, like we all watched. 
The Last Dance, and some of us watched those games with Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan literally changed the rules in the league. So, oh yeah, superstars getting calls, I, like it's yes, it's a problem, but it has always been happening. I don't disagree with that. I just feel like LeBron, like every time I turn on the game, and I didn't, obviously I wasn't alive during the the greatness of the Jordan era, so you, I've only seen the selective things, but like it does feel like every time he drops the lane. Like, sorry, like well aware of what was going on. Oh, yeah, going, you're aware. Sorry, you're yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, like, a lot, that's a bad phrase. I'm half watching yeah. the Bucks game. Uh, like aware of what was going on. I wasn't really paying attention, but it does feel like every time LeBron drives to the hole, he's complaining about some non-call or a call or whatever and i'm sure jordan was doing a very similar thing i mean, as uh Stephen a said today i saw it on twitter this is the softest error of basketball ever which i don't maybe disagree with but it's also the more skilled error so like just his size lebron's size and speed it's just annoying sometimes to see and everybody does it i'm picking on lebron here because he's just the best player and how big he is it just feels like every time i turn on the tv and he drives I'm watching him complain about a no call sometimes, but yeah, you're not wrong. It's every time. Yeah, it's, it's every time, time. and that's just that's annoying exactly. as hell to watch. Uh, but you're not wrong, Jordan. Like people want to like pick on LeBron as if he's the only person to ever do this. Jordan also got calls and complained as well. Like that's not new. It just it feels excessive with LeBron, especially when he is such a physically dominating player. Oh, the dog just kicked open the door. Oh, I thought it was something like. The Bucks did something and it knocked your TV down. No, Leia just just <laughs> shot through the door. Yeah, I hope they I hope they close it out on Friday. Um, but if they don't, I won't be surprised. Yeah, I won't be surprised if Miami beats the Lakers by twenty because you know, like when you like teams right before they get to the tournament will lose a crazy game uh, in college because you're just thinking about the tournament. You're not thinking about the game you're actually playing, I think that could happen to the Lakers yeah. um, in this upcoming game. I'm with you. But all right. Back on this oh, back on this Bucks game real quick. If if you ever want to know how much of a Nate or a Bucks fan Nate is, he really thinks these Bucks jerseys are so fresh. They're I, not that different. I don't see <laughs> I didn't even I, Dude, they look so fresh and so clean. Um especially I, those garbage just, we were wearing just, a year ago. Those white jerseys. I mean, unless hmm. you're really comparing them to like past jerseys then you can say that they're so, so much good. better but Nate, it's literally so just a white jersey with red numbers on it. look at my boy timey out there getting to gronk i mean come on now these are just white jerseys looking Nate. clean they look fresh and clean all right <laughs> y'all yeah, forgetting the jerseys we wore literally last year bucks old jerseys <laughs> You're literally forgetting about the jerseys we were stunning last year, all right? With those clock, the digital clock numbers. This is a sight for sore eyes, this kind of beautifulness on the field. But I've never seen someone get so excited about a plain white jersey with red numbers and nothing else. Goddamn right. Little buckship. Oh. Get up. No, they're just white jerseys. Got the little buckship (laughs) on the shoulder pads. It's bear hunting season right now in Chicago. All right. <laughs> we're on, on Nate is going to watch the game. Yeah, we're, we're losing me slowly on. here. Um, I got to go throw my Akeem leave jersey on. Um, all right, people. <laughs> As always, peace. 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 <laughs>